Good to be in God's house. If you're glad to be here, let me hear you say, yeah, yeah. All right, you're with me today, ma'am. Online, in-house, man, it's an honor to be here. You know, I have such a privilege uh, to be a part of this team. I've got a lot of blessings that I get to do. You know, pastor people get to walk through life with um, everyone in the room. But uh, something special about sharing the Word of God. Something special about sharing the things that God puts on your heart. And so uh, none of that would be possible if, if Pastor JC and Kimberly would not give me the uh, opportunity. So can we give it up for Pastor? Uh, just we love him. Man, the last five weeks have been awesome with the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to jump in, check those out if you haven't. But uh, a lot of great things about this house. One of those is that we do our best every week to honor the brave men and women in the military. Can we give it up for those who serve our country? A lot of them watch online. We thank you for that. And then, especially here in our Noonan location, uh, man, our first responders this weekend. Uh, I can't say enough from the bottom of my heart. All the hard work. I've been out every single day and I'm just seeing these men and women work 18 hours, 20 hours, just trying to do their best to help with the devastation in our community. And so I believe they deserve a standing ovation right now. Can we give it up for some of the first responders, our community? Some of them are in house today. We thank you. You're incredible. Amen. 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 You know, I'm so proud of our church and our team. Uh, just almost immediately, we had teams out on the street, and we even had elders coordinating uh, different projects. Um, we're doing everything. We, we gave away 800 bottles of water, 30, 40 meals to first responders right there the first morning. I mean, we, we've had teams out every single day, all day doing various serve projects, and many of you have jumped in on that. I want to let you know we're going to still have more opportunities along the way, so make sure you check out our social media pages. I'd love for you and your family to jump in and get involved if you've got free time this week. Uh, it's going to be a lot of cleanup here for the coming uh, months, and so we're going to just walk with that with our amazing community. Then right now, uh, they'll be here within the hour. We've got an incredible uh, team of men called God's Pit Crew. They're a partner with our Church of God organization, and they're bringing equipment and uh, teams and chainsaws, whole nine yards, tractor, trailer, loads. There's going to be 20 men that are going to be here. They're going to be staying throughout the week, and we're going to host them, uh, and it's an honor to do that, but they're going to be out and about. And so if you know anybody, maybe you've got, a, maybe your house is fine, but your neighbor's house isn't. I want you to reach out to us. You can reach us at hello at my go church. Let us know the situation. We want to try and get them on the list to get, uh, to get some help. But man, what a great day. It's Palm Sunday. And so maybe you don't know what Palm Sunday is. Don't worry. Today we're going to talk about Palm Sunday, what that means. Uh, in the final days of Jesus' life, he rode into the city of Jerusalem. And uh, we're going to read that specific story. Jesus is facing death his last few days. And a uh, really unique situation happens. It's actually recorded several times throughout the gospel. And so I want to focus in on Matthew chapter 21. So if you've got your Bibles... Turn with me to Matthew 21. I'll give you a second to find that. Uh, I want to let you know if you're in here, you want to take some notes and you don't want to use your phone. We've got some awesome note cards in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you're online, hey, go grab something right now. It's a great chance to do that. But Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1, it says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untire and bring her to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and that he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what has been spoken through the prophet. 
Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, a gentle and riding on a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd had spread their cloaks on the road, while others had cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Check this out. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Look what they describe Jesus to be. The crowds answers, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to preach on this thought today. Don't miss the move. Don't miss the move of God and what he wants to do right now in this season, in your house, in this church, and in your community. How about this? How about I pray for you and you pray for me real quick? Does that work? Does that work? Awesome. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, every single person in this room, open the ears and the minds and the hearts of those who are here today. God, I pray that your word would speak life into their life. Whatever the situation is, Lord, I pray that your word would find its way in to put healing power in. And Lord, I pray as you begin to reveal us things that we need to do and step out and take part in, Lord, I pray that we would give you the honor and the glory and the credit for all you choose to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, uh, when you get married, they don't tell you some of the things that are going to go on, like the difficulties of, of being married. In fact, I think uh, one of the funniest parts of being married is realizing what you like and what your spouse likes and how much you don't care about some of those things, like with each other. It's, it's, I, right now, I have this really bad habit. I'm going to pick on, uh, on, on kind of my wife and me all at the same time. I got this bad habit. I grew up loving cars. Like, any, any car fans in here? Anybody just love a good car? Like, you love, you wish you could afford a really expensive car. That's me. And uh, my wife and I, I'm always driving. She's always riding shotgun. My wife loves to read. And so she's always, like, face deep in a book, like, loving a novel, whatever she's reading. Uh, and without a doubt, every single time, I wish I had a dollar for every time this happens, but a cool car come by, an old truck will come by, and I'll like freak out. I'll be like, look, 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 look. And what's funny is uh, I didn't grow up uh, in the city. I grew up in the country. Come on, some, where are my country folk at? Where are my people that you grew up in it? I grew up in a place like they don't, you don't even just, you don't say you're from the town you're from. You say you're from the county you're from because the county's got a bad rap. I'm from Johnson County, North Carolina, Joe Co. I love North Carolina. It's phenomenal. But sometimes, man, the Joko, it just, it just comes out. Like, you can't even hide it. And so without a doubt, it always, it always comes out in this moment. We're riding down the road. Car comes by. I'm like, look at that F-100, honey. <laughs> look at that Camaro. Like, and my wife, she's just like totally, she's tuned out to country band. She's tuned out to, uh, to whatever I'm saying. And so here's how it goes. I'm like freaking out. Judah's freaking out because he loves cars. I'm like, look, 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 look. And my wife, she's just and I'm like, she just, and a few more minutes goes by and she just, and then she just goes, what? Like it's all of a sudden, like all of a sudden the message has, has, has moved the three feet between me and her in the car and has entered into her brain. She has cognitively picked it up and she's just like, what? Hello? And I'm like, you missed it. You missed it. And so then I'll start ratting out, ratting out stuff like, that was a $130,000 car. You missed the opportunity of a lifetime right there. You, do you realize what just drove by us and you didn't even care? 
And the truth is, she really doesn't care. But then, then like, look, I, I'm just as bad. And I know there's some wives in here, you're going to laugh at this one right here. My wife, she always sends me to find something, right? Like, she's like, hey, uh, I need you to go in the girl's room. I need you to get a pack of wipes and bring them to me real quick. And y'all know, y'all know when you send your husbands on a trip, it goes just like this. You walk into the girl's room. You're mad you had to go in there to begin with. And it's like, 0.5, you give it like 0.5 seconds. And you're like, it's not in here. It's not in here. And, you, and I'm like, how dare you send me on a wild goose chase to find something you knew wasn't in it. And I'm just like, I can't believe, you know, just blowing all up. And you, ladies, you know, it was right in front of me the whole time. Your wife comes in, it takes her 0.5 seconds to find it. And she's like, it's right there. Like, I mean, you got a college degree. You can't see that it's like, it's right there. Like, I don't understand why it's right there. And you can't see it. And the truth be told, let's just be real honest. The reason why that stuff happens is because either we don't care, like we just don't. My wife doesn't care about cars. I'm just thankful she puts gas in it. Come on, somebody. Like, she don't care. Or, or like me, we're not even really looking for what they're asking for. We're looking for something totally different, totally off the wall. So let me give you some context of what's going on here in the scriptures right now. Uh, Rome rules the world. It rules all of Israel. Everyone hates Rome uh, for their oppressive nature, their heavy taxation. And so right now, man, all of Israel just wants to get rid of Rome. They, want a new, they don't want Caesar in their life anymore. They want a king. They want their own rules. They want a Messiah to come in. And so when they read the prophetic scriptures of old and the prophecies about the coming king and the coming Messiah, like the one you just read about him riding on a donkey, it's like they almost tune out and they miss the point of it all. And so they're looking for something totally different. They're looking for this warrior king. They're looking for this guy that's going to just wield a sword and cause this uprising in Rome. And we're all going to just, it's going to be a movie later in life. It's going to be fantastic. Like that's what they're wanting to see. They're wanting a knight on a white horse. And in fact, you even see how much they don't realize who Jesus is in these verses. I'm going to read 9 through 11 again. It says, the crowds went ahead and those that shouted, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest of heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city asked, who's this guy? And the crowd says, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. They didn't even realize that he was the Messiah. They're still looking at him as just a prophet and just a guy. And then, and then what's even wilder is they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save, save us now. Save us, son of David. And they're not worshiping him because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They're worshiping him because they hope that he becomes the political savior they've always wanted. They don't even realize who's in front of them. And so Jesus, you read the scriptures, he just rides into town. You don't see where Jesus at this crowd, they're cheering him on. He doesn't stop, uh, shake hands, kiss babies, and give his State of the Union address. Like he, he doesn't do any of that. He just rides on in past them, right into town. And all they can say is, there's that prophet from Nazareth. They don't even realize who's in front of them. You see, the king they expected was going to ride in on a white horse and not a donkey. I, like, sometimes I'm like, Lord, why are you going to pick a donkey? You know what I mean? Like, I, if you grew up in a country, you would know that donkeys are A, annoying, and B, stinky. Like, they are, like, they got a huge head, little legs. You know what I mean? Like, that, to me, like, if I'm going to ride in on something, I'm not going to ride in on a donkey. Come on now. And so, they miss Jesus. He's right. That's clearly not the king. He's not riding on a king's horse. They wanted a conquering king, not a cross-bearing king. 
They wanted a king that was going to dethrone Caesar, not a king who would dethrone their own hearts of pride and of sin. So I got this question for you, same question I would have asked them in this. Are you looking for the wrong Jesus? Are you looking for the wrong Jesus? Are you looking for God to move in a way he's not going to move? In an area he's not going to do? In these times and trials in the world we live in, is the Savior you're preaching to the world and the Savior you're hoping the world can understand only one that fits your worldview? Because please don't miss the move. Please don't assume that God is going to walk your steps out in exactly how you think he's going to be and reach the exact audience that you want. I've learned one thing about God. God is like a wild card, man. He does what he wants to do, not what I want to do. And maybe, maybe you're looking for a sign of where God's moving and what he's doing. I want to let you know you're sitting in a church today where God is moving. And people are sitting in churches all over this community where God is moving. How do I know that? So many people, we couldn't even handle the email influx of all the people that are saying, hey, I want to serve. Let me, let me jump on a serve team this weekend. Let me help somebody's house out. Let me, let me, I got a chainsaw. Put me to work. So many people are giving their time and their talent and their efforts all this weekend to help this community. We got people who are getting healed supernaturally. We have people who have children who are so far from home coming back, picking up the phone. They haven't heard from them in years. And they're saying, I just want to come home. And then... 154 people have given their heart to the Lord in this house since October. Come on. Come on. Here's your sign. You're in the place where God is moving. And listen, God, God is a God who moves. He's not stoic. He's not sitting in the corner of the universe just forgetting what's going on in our world. He's not blind to the issues in your life. He's not blind to what's going on in the needs of this community. God is a God who is very much moving. He's engaged intimately with our hearts and, and, and what's going on in there, the things that we desperately need. I want you to write this down right here. In order to know how God is going to move, you have to be receptive to God moving in you. Please stop waiting for God to move in Pastor JC's house and expect it to just trickle on down to you. God is looking for each one of us to light the fire in our own heart, to light the fire in your own home, Man, we, we hear things all the time, man, I just want to get my kids to church. If they can get to church, the preacher's going to get them right. You're their parent. Preach the word. You're a minister in your own home. God has empowered all of us. And the move of God, I learned this, the move of God starts with you. Does anybody just want to kindle the fire of God in your life and in your home? Anybody ready to see God do something supernatural in your house? Can I get an amen from somebody? Like, I want to see God move. I don't want to miss him. I don't want to miss him assuming he's going to do it the way that I want it to be. You know, it's really easy to look at the story and kind of see who's at fault and who isn't. But I want to ask you this question, like, who's, who missed the move in this thing? When we're reading this, like, in the present, it's easy to be frustrated with the religious people, right? The Pharisees, like, they had the word, they had the scriptures. They should have seen this coming. It's almost easy to be frustrated with the disciples because I, I hate to say it, but many of them, even at this point in their, their three years with Jesus, don't really realize like, who he is and what he's going to do. And so when we read it, it's like, well, duh. Like, pff, come on, man, how stupid can you be? But in the moment, it's very different. But who really missed the move? Who's to blame? Oddly enough, it was never Zacchaeus, the tax collector that nobody liked. It wasn't the woman whose son died and Jesus raised him from the dead. 
And even in the midst of all this Rome stuff, it, it wasn't the Roman centurion with a sick servant. It was not, it was not even the woman who was caught in adultery, like, like literally caught in the act. It wasn't even her. She didn't miss Jesus. You want to know who missed it? It was the religious people who had the scriptures and who had the prophetic messages. They missed it. They didn't see who it was. And they saw the move of God as a competition because the move of God was not the way that God, they wanted God to move. Can I tell you, your preferences can cause you to miss the mark. Your preferences can cause you to miss the mark. You know, every generation has its preferences, preferences right? Like We all like different things. I joked earlier, I come from North Carolina, and in North Carolina, it's like um, barbecue, Bojangles, Jesus really needs to be above them, but people love barbecue and Bojangles in, in North Carolina. Like, I grew up on Bojangles. My kids love Chick-fil-A. They don't like Bojangles. Like, they don't like it. It kind of hurts my heart. Down here in Georgia, Bojangles is weird. It's not even close to what it is uh, in North Carolina. And so, like, you know, I feel like one's better. They feel like one's better. We're in an argument, but at the end of the day, my kids just want Christian chicken. So we go to Chick-fil-A. That's where we go. But man, one of the most divisive places of like generational preferences has to be, has to be church music. I want you to buckle up because this is going to be funny. It's going to be funny, but it's going to be real. It's going to be kind of sad all at the same time. So like uh, you go back to like early church days and uh, no instruments whatsoever. Like we don't do instruments. We just sing into the glory of God. Don't bring that electric guitar up in here. You know, somebody might have a pitch pipe and they're like, Still, Sister Gladys is off tune every time. Doesn't matter. Like, she's going to be wrong. Like, they're worshiping God. They don't even need music. They worship God wherever. And then, then you've got, like, the greatest generation and the boomers. Man, I love the greatest generation, man. My, I am in awe of my grandparents. They were some of the greatest people to walk on the face of this earth. They served their country. They served their community. Like, incredible things that they got out of. Uh, but, man, like... Like greatest generation and boomers, they grew up on the Redback. Where are my Redback folks up in here? Redback hymnal. Come on. The Redback's got some good music in it, right? Like the convention book's got some good music. When Micah gets a hold of the Redback hymnal, y'all better watch out. When Micah, when Micah goes like into some old songs, this place is a different place. Like Micah just takes it on in. Can we give Pastor Micah, a, you know, just a round of applause? In fact... Pastor Micah's parents are here today. Sir, you pastor for 32 years. Uh, and Bishop, I just want to say thank you for serving the kingdom of God. You raised a good son. Like you got, you got like the red back crowd. Then you got, I'm, the, I'm an 80s baby. Where are my 80s babies at? Come on in here. Come on. Yes, 80s music. You, when you were born in the 80s, you really kind of focused in on like that early 90s music. Uh, you know, a lot of great music come out of the early 90s. A lot of good secular stuff that I don't listen to anymore or do listen I don't know we'll worry about that later but um I grew up listening to some stuff like Clint Brown come on somebody like uh Brownsville Revival where's my Brooklyn Tabernacle crew in this house anybody come on man I'll tell you what the young folk don't know about they don't know about Ron Cannoli what y'all know about Ron Cannoli call him up and tell him what you want that's why Micah didn't let me sing Man, I love me some Ron Cannoli. Then you got like, you know, like that late millennial, Gen Z. Listen, I'm vibing with your music too. I like it. I like, I'm an eclectic individual. And, uh, but man, we all, let's be real. We all kind of feel like our music is a little bit holier. Like, like God was in that. He might not, might not be in that guitar stuff anymore. You know, like we've got our own preferences. Uh, and, but if we're not careful, man, you could be totally blind 
to what God is doing because you're expecting him to do what he did the way he did. Man, I, I was a youth pastor for eight years, and uh, some of the best times in ministry as a youth pastor, man, the next generation needs to hear the word of God, and we have some of the absolute best staff at this church in our next-gen department, from kids to youth. Um, you know, they, are, they, love the, they love the word of God. They preach it their hearts out to our kids, and our kids love them. And so, man, it's some, some of the best years of my life. My wife and I, uh, we scrounged up some money out of our budget at the first church that we worked at. We'd been married like six months. And uh, I decided that we were going to remodel the youth room, right? And so we went through and we remodeled the youth room and we put some lights in there and we painted a wall and put some scriptures up on the wall. It was really cool. And, you know, anytime you do something for the Lord, like you're proud of it. And so what we did was we took pictures we put it online, and man, all the parents were like, oh, my, my kid's going to love that. Kids were like, whoa, 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 everybody loved it. But without a doubt, right, there's always that one keyboard warrior, right? There's always that one troll because the social media streets is hard. And she had to write something. She said, looks like the nightclub down the street. And the first thing in my mind was like, how you know what a nightclub looks like down the street? Come on, sister. Come on now. Come on. What you doing, Sister Betty, on Saturday night? You bumping. What are you doing? Showing up at church on Sunday. How do you know what a nightclub looks like? That was my first, that was my first response. But, uh, man, I'll be honest with you. As a young man, a young married man uh, leading a bunch of young people on fire for God, man, that was so disheartening. It was like the devil just used that like a knife in my back and in my heart. And not only that, but my kids saw that. My students saw that. And I want to let you know, um, if we're not careful as we get older, we will literally walk away from the move of God because we expect it to be the way that we want it and not the way that God wants to move. God is ever changing. God is moving. And if we're not careful, we'll point the finger at a younger generation. Please do me this favor. No matter if you like it or not, never discourage a young person or a child from seeking Jesus in any way, shape, or form. Because let me tell you what, you don't want that millstone around your neck. You don't want the Lord to know that you did that. You know, I think, I want you to write this down. The greatest enemy of what will be is the familiarity with what has been. Because even me and my, I'm 34, like I'll I, I think like, okay, man, if we get here, like God for sure is going to move there. Like it's everybody. Everybody does this. But don't expect God to operate in the familiar areas that you experienced. Because if we went through every single generation in music, they were all had something different about them. And if God moved in every single one of those generations, guess what? In the next move, it will be different too. Different group of people, different situations, different culture. But God is the same God who still wants to reach people right where they are, right where they are. So please don't miss, don't miss the move. Don't miss the next. Don't miss what God is going to do and is doing right now. I told you this was recorded several times in scripture. And it's recorded again in Luke chapter 19. And Luke says the same thing you just heard. And then he drops this little nugget in there. But it's super powerful. And I want you to, want you to read it with me. Luke chapter 19 verses 41 and 42. As he approached Jerusalem. This is Jesus. Saw the city and he wept over it. And he said if you even. If you. Even you. Had only known on this day. What would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus is weeping here because he knows a couple things. Number one, this is his last trip into Jerusalem right here. 
He's going in like his life's ending. He knows he's not going to go back and sit down at the dinner table with his mom. He's not going to go fishing with the disciples late night. Like he knows what's coming. But worst of all, he knows as much as he has to be in there that everyone in there is going to reject him. That everyone in there is going to see him and think that's not it. That's not the king that we prayed for. He just kept riding. And Jesus weeps, and he weeps because he knows these people have a divine opportunity on the calendar of heaven, and yet this is their chance at true freedom, and they're blind. They're blind to it. They're blind to the power of this king who's not just a king. He's the king of kings. They don't realize it. And what they do is they crucify the king that should be reigning in their own hearts. So let's get practical. How do you keep from missing the move of God? If I'm telling you, don't miss it. How do you not miss it? First thing right here, be open for God to use whoever he wants, whatever way he chooses, and whenever he decides. Whoever he wants, whatever way he chooses, and whenever he decides, God moves through people uh, that we didn't expect. And so in this situation, they're looking for a political savior. But why does a political savior not make sense in this moment? Because it's exactly what everyone expected exactly what everyone expected. They felt like the real freedom just needed to be from Rome, but Jesus was coming to set their hearts free. If we're going to participate in revival, we have to be willing to look for what heaven wants to do on earth instead of trying to make heaven do what earth wants. When was the last time you prayed, Lord, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come. Like whatever you got from me, God, just bring it. Like I'm, I'm open to it. I'm receptive to it. If we're not careful, we will overlook the revival that God is already birthing all around us. That he's already birthing in the lives of, of our children and our grandchildren and of our neighbors down the street. One of the greatest examples of being overlooked actually it happens in 1 Samuel. And uh, Samuel's the high priest at the time. And the Lord tells him, you need to go anoint a new king. So you got to go to Jesse's house. And when you get there, you'll see Jesse's sons. And you'll know which one it is by the time you look at him. So Samuel comes to Jesse and he says, hey, the Lord is going to anoint one of your children to be king. And you got to, as a dad, you know he's got to be pumped. He's like, bring me your sons. And so Jesse, he lines up all his sons, like oldest to youngest. And uh, Samuel goes one by one. And he's like, oh, this one, this dude's big, man. He's strong. But that's not it. This one, this one's got to be it, Lord. Surely this is, this is the one. He looks like a king, talks like a king. No. Lord says, no, it's not it. Then Samuel asks a weird question to Jesse. He says, hey, you got any more sons? As if Jesse was like hiding something in his pocket. And uh, guess what? Jesse was hiding one of them in the field. And his name was David. And his, how, bad do, how bad does it have to be for your dad to overlook you when he says, hey, pick all your sons up? And he picks up 90% of them except this one dude. And David comes in. He's like 12, ruddy, young, handsome. And right there in front of all of his brothers and everyone else, the Lord says, Samuel, that's the king. Anoint that man. See, God is not looking for somebody who's got the title of prophet or prophetess or apostle or doctor or I got a master's degree and who cares? What the Lord is looking for, hear me out, he's looking for somebody that's willing. He's looking for, the, he's looking for a cashier at Kroger who just wants to change the world. He's looking for somebody in this room who just wants to say, God, use me, man. Like, hear me. I'm going to pick on church in the South real quick. 
Many of us have siblings and children who grew up in church because church is a part of culture in the South. And for a long time, you fed into the lie that it has to be the preacher who reaches your children. That it's only in the church that somebody can get saved. Can I tell you what? The Lord will drop a God bomb in your garage with your kids if you're willing and you're open. You are anointed by God to reach your family. You can't pack me up and put your... First of all, you had to have a big suitcase. You can't put me in your suitcase and carry me with you. God has anointed you. He's empowered you to reach those in your own house. Don't write off the move of God because God chooses to move through people that don't look like you, act like you, vote like you. Come on, somebody. They ain't got blue check marks next to their name and they don't have a private jet or an armor bearer. Like, like God, God is looking for somebody who's willing and willing doesn't have a face. Willing doesn't have a skin color. Doesn't have a voter registration card. Willing is willing. One of the things I absolutely love about this house, I fell in love with right from the beginning, is that our incredible pastors, and if, you, if you've been through Move Track, you've heard this, and if you haven't been through Move Track, I want you to sign up. You can really hear the story of this church. It's incredible. Pastor says this, I'm married to the mission, but dating the method. I'm married to the gospel, but we're open to however we got to do, whatever we got to do. If I have to wear like a sombrero and some baseball tights just to like, some kind of outfit just to reach people, you better believe he put me in it. What, is, what does the gospel look like? The gospel looks different in every season. Right now in this community, you know what, you know what it looks like? It looks like going to somebody's house who you don't know and cutting up their, their trees that are falling on their house. It's you paying for some first responders who've been sweating all day, working all night just to have a cup of coffee and a donut. Back at Christmas, it looked like us providing Christmas for 72 children in our community, a full Christmas. The gospel goes forth in many ways. And you're all empowered to share it. You have to pray this prayer. If you want to be a part of the move of God, you have to pray that prayer of whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, Lord, come. Let me be a part of it. The second thing you got to do is this. You got to ask God to let you participate. You have to ask God, say, hey, God, count me in, man. In the middle of all this, count me in. At this point in time in my faith journey, uh, I am done with trying to predict when God's going to do, how he's going to do, whatever he's going to I've almost like tuned off to some of it because uh, a lot of it's rooted in our own personal desires. But let me tell you what, I used to say, if we, if we, if we say this song, if we put this song on the set list, man, God's going to come right there in that moment. God can come when he wants to come. And I got, I, I just, I switched from praying, Lord, reveal unto me, like, uh, the prophetic word to tell everybody to me just saying, God, just let me be part, man. I just want to be part. Whatever you're doing, just use me, Lord. There's a lot of power, though, in asking God to do something. So be, let me know, let me let you know, when you ask God, if you could be a part of something, he'll put you to work. I'll never forget my dad. He, I was raised in the home of great faith and, uh, there came a time when we first got married at my very first job, man, I, I needed to buy a wedding ring. I needed to buy a wedding ring for my wife. And I love my wife. My wife deserves the best. And uh, no lie, I had to sell my truck to buy the wedding ring. I sold the truck, and so I was carless. And I'll never forget, my dad was like, hey, you need to pray, and you need to ask God for a car. So I was just like, all right, Lord, give me a car. 
my dad was like, son, you got to be specific. Like, come on. Like, you got, so I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to get specific. I was like, Lord, I need a car that runs good. I needed to have leather, Lord, leather seats in the name of Jesus. I need power windows, power door locks. I need a good radio. And I said, Lord, you're the God of the sun. Let me have a sunroof, Lord. Put it in that thing. And uh, I prayed for like a week. I fasted and prayed. No lie, my pastor at the time came to me and said, man, I feel like the Lord wants me to sell you this car at my house for 250 bucks. So I said, I'll take that deal. I went over to his house. He rolled up the garage door. Let me tell you what, that thing, it ran good. It had leather, had a good radio, had a sunroof. Come on, somebody. You can stick your hand out like that. I didn't get specific with the year. It was a 92 Volvo. But hey, you know, I learned my lesson right there. But let me tell you what, the Lord gave me what I asked. You want to know why? Because I came with the right heart. And if you want to be used by God and you want to see God move, you lay before him and say, Lord, whatever it looks like, use me. I'm all in. Look at what he says in scripture. This is Jesus. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Look at this uh, over in Matthew. Jesus is saying this again. Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, the door will be open unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Let me tell you something you might not have heard in a while. Jesus is coming back. It ain't a joke. He's fulfilled every single promise in scripture but one. That he shall return. He came one time, the crowd wasn't ready. He's coming again, and I'm going to ask you this. Are you ready? Do you know in a moment, like you're going to go, like do you know in a moment, like your, your security rests in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because this is the moment to go all in with him if you're not. Are you willing to accept the fact that the move of God that precedes the coming of the Lord is not a Republican Savior or a Democratic Savior? Are you willing to accept that the political agenda is not the kingdom agenda? Are you willing to accept the fact that God is God and he does not consult you and I for our preferences on what he's going to do next and that he moves wherever he wants to move? Are you willing to look at God and say these words, whatever it looks like, Lord, whatever it sounds like, Lord, I want to be a part. I am all, all in. Close with this question. Are you all in for what God is going to do next? I mean, God's moving. The healings that are taking place in this house, man. The restoration that's happening in this house. The things going on in our community right now. Like, are you willing, are you saying to God, man, I'm all in. I'm all in. And sometimes, I'll just be real honest, man. There's been times in my life where I've debated on going all in with the Lord because it's as if I was waiting on God to do one more thing for me. God has done enough for me for me to give him my entire life and him never give me one more thing. I love the Lord. And I want to see my siblings come to know Jesus. And I'm not going to wait around for Pastor JC to preach to them. I'm going to preach to them. And I want to know today, is this church all in? Are you all in with what God is already doing, what he's going to do? Because I'm telling you what, there are sons and daughters coming home. I'm going to speak that right now. There's provision in our community. There's going to be revival in our community. I pray that you get so stirred by God that you launch a small group in your home and it grows so big. We got we to gotta buy a Publix near you to put all the people in your house in it. Like, we're going to drop a campus where your house is because there's that many people coming to know the Lord. Man, what are you waiting for to be all in? What are you waiting for? What more does he have to do?
He died on the cross for you and for me so that I could have a second chance at life. And you better believe I'm not going to waste this life I got. I'm going to give it to him. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around today. No one looking around, man, hey, I, I've been saying this this whole time about the coming of the Lord and a relationship with Jesus and the next calling for you and for me. But maybe you're in here and you know that if Jesus came back today, you're not ready. You know that right now your heart's not aligned with God. You don't have a relationship with him, but you know in this moment you want to give your heart to him. If that's you and you're ready to ask Jesus into your heart and to bring peace into your life, and accept him as your personal savior. I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray over you. Nothing weird is going to happen. Thank you. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Lift your hand up if you want prayer. Maybe you're in here and you could say, Pastor Ben, man, uh, I'm ready to go all in, man. I'm hyped. I'm ready to see what God is going to do through me and in my family and my community. I just need courage. I just need a little bit of faith to be all in. If that's you and you're ready to go, just shoot your hand up. I want to pray for strength over you. Thank you. All over the room. Come on, man. Come on. If you raised your hand to accept Jesus Christ, I want you to repeat a prayer after me in a moment. But just to show you we're all in with you, we're going to pray it together. It's one big house. Can we do that? Can you repeat after me? Dear Jesus. I realize I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and make me whole. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, can you give it up for the two people that gave their heart to the Lord this morning? Yeah, come on. In a moment, they're gonna sing I want to encourage you to stay with me, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one last time. Are you all in?